through a lot. And I won't get in his business. But at the end, he says, Pastor, will you pray for me? Now, as a pastor, I better be ready to do three P's at all time. Preach, praise, and pray. Amen. When he asked me to pray for him, I was struck. Now, I pray for you often. Over the phone, we'll pray together. But it just felt a little different this time, knowing that the weight that's on this pastor has now been transferred to me and what he's dealing with in his life. And there I found myself unable to pray in my power and in my might. My prayer sounded something a little bit like this. God, I don't know what to say, but you do. God, I don't have the answers, but you do. God, I don't see a way out, but you do. God, I I don't know what the future holds, but you do. God, I don't know if he's able, but you're able. God, I don't know if we can, but you can. God, God, I, and, I, and the more I prayed, it was, God, I'm nothing, and God, you're everything. And God spoke to me afterwards in my own prayer life, and that is the, one of the elements of having a central, effective prayer life. Beloved, prayer is more than a ritual and a routine. It is powerful, and we'll see that in just a moment. Before we even get into the the reading of the Scripture, I I, want to start by way of introduction by saying this. I'm going to go in a completely different way. I've never went before, so if this offends you, forgive me. In rising country music star Oliver Anthony's song, I Want to Go Home, there are lyrics in that song that says, We are on the brink of the next world war. And I don't think nobody's praying no more. I don't know Oliver Anthony, but I've heard the song, and he doesn't sound like a saved person. Then, there's another secular artist by the name of Struggle Jennings. You say, who is that? Anybody know who Waylon Jennings is? Don't get spiritual on me now. Amen. Struggle Jennings is the step-grandson of Waylon Jennings. He has a song entitled, God, We Need You Now. And the chorus says this. Remind you, these are lost people. This is worldly people. This is what they say in a secular song that's not even in our hymn books. We've been dancing with the devil way too long. I know it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues. Sounds to me like they listen to the Baptist preacher on the radio. Oh God, come back home. This crazy world is filled with liars and abusers. These are lost people in their music. We need you now before we're too far gone. I hope one day they'll finally see the truth. Oh God, we need you now. The lost and the world knows how to pray. What about us Christians? If the lost in the world and the lost in the world and the sinners know how to pray, why is it that the children of Almighty God 
can't get to the throne room. I, I wondered this week, I wonder if the lost and if the worldly people, the carnal people of the world, I wonder if they pray more than the church does. You know, at the end of my son's football game yesterday, they huddled up. And they'd done something that I was really pleased with. Now, I'll go ahead and go on record and say I didn't really care for the coach and how he was coaching. I've watched him. But then it's like the Lord spoke to me and was like, well, guess what, preacher? You're not the coach. And if you were going to be the coach, I would have called you to be the coach, but you're not the coach, so shut up. So I said, yes, sir. He the coach. I'm not the coach. He the coach. I'm a fall to coach. Got it. Yes, sir, Lord. But the coach did something. The big old child tobacco in the salvage jaw at the very end of the game. They huddled up and they recited a prayer. Now this prayer we're about to read. But they recited a prayer. Even the world knows we should pray. My question is how is your prayer life? I asked that to myself and I said, Lord, I want to say it's good, but Lord, I believe sometimes it could be in repetition because I just know what to say. But Lord, has my prayer life really come from the heart? If, if you're in the boat that I'm in this morning, good, you're, you're going to get some help. But if, you're, if you've got it figured out, you can go ahead and leave now. But if you need some help, please stick around and I'll try to help you with the, Lord, with the help of the Lord through His Word. I want to show you here the disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. We'll see the Lord's Prayer in Luke 22. This is the disciples' prayer. So for just a moment, would you stand to your feet if you're able to stand? I understand if you're not able. But would you stand to your feet for just a little bit? I, I want to go over the Scripture real quick and we'll be seated and, and we'll jump right into the outline, if you will. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter number 6, amen. Starting in verse 6, Jesus is talking here. He's talking to His disciples. He says in, in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse number 6, But thou, His disciples, when thou prayest, prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In other words, God is not interested in the duration or the length of your prayer. He's worried about the substance behind it. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. After this manner, so he's going to teach them how to pray right here. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You may be seated this morning. Thank you kindly. I, I, I look at this model prayer and I use it as a springboard into these elements that I want to show you. These elements are going to go quickly, so if you are a note taker, you're going to want to jot the, the verse down because I'm going to go rapidly. 
But these are essential elements. You are going to see these elements to be the following. Obedience, submission, humility, holiness, fervency, regularity, and faith. These are the seven essential elements that I have found in my study. Now, I'm sure that there are more elements to prayer, but these are seven essential elements that I have found. Uh, Number one, I want to show you this morning, the first element is obedience in God's commandments. Obedience in God's commandments. 1 John in chapter number 3, verse 22 says this, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do these things that are pleasing in His sight. So whenever we pray, We must understand this. There is an expectation to prayer. I don't know about you, but for me in my prayer life, I do not see prayer as a rite or a ritual. I see prayer as a communication between me and God and God to me. It's a two-way street, beloved. I expect my prayer to get to the throne room. And I expect to hear from heaven while I'm praying. That's what I expect. That's my expectation. But beloved, in the, on the authority of God's Word, on the authority of God's Word, we cannot expect our prayers to be answered if we're not living in God's will. We cannot expect our prayers to be answered if we're living in sin. The Bible says that whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Because... Not because of our position as a child of God, but because we keep His commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we do things that are pleasing in His sight. Now I want you to know this. He's your heavenly Father. When you're saved, He never stops being your Father. You still have that access to God the Father through the mediator, Lord Jesus Christ. It's never severed. It's never broken. But if you're saved and you're living in sin, God can hear your prayers any and always. But He chooses to disregard your prayer and send something back down the pipeline until you confess your sin. He'll never bless you if you're living in sin. That's what He chooses to do. So one of the elements is obedience in God's commandments. There are some people, I I, I got a phone call, I may have shared this with you already. I got a phone call about a month ago. Uh, it was in between the breaks at the police academy. And I had like seven missed phone calls and I was scared to death. I thought something bad had happened. Long story short, there was a preacher that I know. He preached here at Titus time, by the way. Young preacher. But it was Wednesday night and they was dismissing in service and he wouldn't get off the altar. Like, you know, how we normally come down and we dismiss, he wouldn't get up. So people just slowly started to leave because I, I get it, they had things to do. But he was so burdened over his church, he wasn't going to move until he, he got something from the God of heaven. He wasn't going to move from that spot until something fell out the pipeline from heaven to the... He literally grabbed the horns of the altar and wasn't going to let go. Because he needed God to move in his church or he wasn't getting up. The determination. God give us some prayer warriors like that preacher up there in Powerway. 
It'll get a hold of God. Confess everything under the sun so that everything's cleared out. All the confessions of sin so everything's moved out of the way just to expect God to move in our lives. God, give us some prayer warriors like that preacher. Number two, I want to show you as well, submission to God's will. Submission. This is the second element in an effective prayer life. Submission to God's will. There in the book of Luke in chapter number 22, you'll find our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The the Bible lets us know that He's a stone cast away. I don't know how how far a stone cast away is, but I'd say it's about the length of a football field. Whenever I was in high school, if I wasn't pitching, a lot of times I'd play center field. and I think it was my junior year, I backed up all the way to the fence. And I, and I, and I got, got the, the, the pop fly, I snagged it, and then there's a boy trying to run and go to home. And I remember throwing it as hard as I could. Best play I ever made. Here's my glory land days, or my, my glory day uh, uh, speech, as my wife calls it. But I threw it as hard as I could. I mean, I, I threw it as hard. My leg flew up in the air. I mean, boom, you can hear the, the seams just going. And there you waited about five seconds at the other, other end. You hear that catcher in that glove, and it goes, pow, turn and get some out. Best play on defense I've ever made in my entire life. So for me, a stone's cast away is about the length of a baseball field. For others, it might be a little bit shorter. I don't know. But what I do know is that here the Lord Jesus is, and He's with His crowd, but He decides to separate Himself and go to another area here in this garden. He decides that He just wants to get alone with the Lord, is what I'm getting at. For some people, getting alone with the Lord, it's just for a few minutes. For other people, they got to go the extra distancing and they got to get in there for a few hours. I, I know some of you have prayer, prayer closets. You've either talked to me about it or you've shown me your prayer closet. Here the Lord found His prayer closet in the garden. And here's the true Lord's Prayer. And it's found in Luke 22. And I just want to show you just a, two verses though. In Luke 22 verse 41 He says, And when He was withdrawn, talking about the Lord Jesus, from them about a stone's cast... And kneeled down as a position of submission and prayed, saying, Father, he addressed the one whom he's praying to, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. God, I don't want to endure what I've got to endure. Do you remember me telling you he's 100% God and 100% man? His humanity is on full display here. God, I know what's coming. The the cat of nine tails just and rip in my flesh. God, I know what's coming. The thorns, the crown of thorns is pressed into my brow. I know whenever they pluck my beard, I know it's coming. God, I know that that cross I have to endure as my blood will be poured out for all of humanity. I know it's coming. He says, Father, if thou be willing, remove. This cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Beloved, it's okay to go to the Lord with a little bit of emotion and say, God, I don't understand, or God, I don't want to go through this. God, it hurts. Take the hurt away. God wants that. For his children. But we may never know. We may never understand on this side of eternity. But you'll find peace in that prayer when you follow it up with, Lord, not my will, 
but thine be done. You're going to get an assurance like you've never gotten before. I want to show you number three this morning. The humility of character. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 verse number 14 Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 7, verse 14, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And here he gets down in his address and he's talking about one of his preacher boys here. This is what he says. He says, For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed, but as we speak all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before Titus, is found a truth. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about one of his preacher boys. And he's telling him, I'm telling you the same thing I've told one of my preacher boys. Now the Apostle Paul needs you to understand who he is to, so you can understand the fullness and the gravity and the weight of this text. The Apostle Paul once belonged to the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the top of the top. He was one of the most uh, educated men in that region, probably in the world if we're being honest. I mean, he knew this Bible, this Old Testament Scripture, inside and outside. And here he is. He's got different preacher boys. He had Timothy. He had Timothy. Timothy was different from Titus. Did you know, according to the book of Acts in chapter number 16, verses 1 and 2, that Timothy was biracial? Timothy had a mother who was a Jew, and his daddy was a Greek. He was biracial. And Timothy went on to be one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. The Bible goes on to say in verse 2 in Acts chapter 16 that the brethren talked much about that. Back in that time, that wasn't a cultural norm. And here it is, one of the most religious scholars of all the world. He takes Timothy in and says, come with me. You're God's man. You're special. And God's going to use you. So he takes in Timothy and he takes in Titus. Titus was very similar to to Paul, where he was kind of a learned person, but his heart went all the way in it. Then he took in Demas, who had the had the power and he had the performance and he had the had had everything down just right, uh, but but he didn't have the power of God because we find out later that the Apostle Paul says Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So here the Apostle Paul is. He's about to set up Titus to run by and, 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 and do a work at, at the church of Corinth. And he's trying to explain that he is the cat's meow. He's training up these preachers. But this is what he says. This is what he says. He says that I don't boast in what I know, but I boast in the truth. And that same truth that you'll find in me is the same truth that you'll find in Titus. Because Titus is preaching the same truth that I preach. The only truth that's found is in the Scriptures and in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this man had, had degree after degree after degree after degree. and didn't boast in his degrees. He trained up preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher. didn't boast in that. All he says is there's a streamline from the God of heaven. And the God of heaven has told me to tell you by inspiration of His Word that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And then not only are you going to hear it from me, you're going to hear it from our young preacher boy, Titus. That's what he's trying to say. So we have nothing to boast in. It's the God of heaven that's called men like me and Him to preach His Word. There's a humility of character. He says, I could talk about how great I am, but at the end of the day, the Apostle Paul says, that He is the chief among sinners. I want to show you number four as well. The holiness of heart. The holiness of heart and life. In 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 8, it says, 
I will therefore that men pray everywhere. The Apostle Paul is now writing to Timothy. He's saying, I want men everywhere to pray. I want them to pray everywhere. But then he goes on to say this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, comma, lifting up holy hands, comma. So not only does the Apostle Paul want people to pray, but, but what he wants them to do is that whenever they pray, that they, they, they either seated or they stand up, they lift up hands. Uh, when's the last time you just come to the altar, bowed your head and just lifted up holy hands? When's the last time sitting at the kitchen table or, or sitting there on the couch in your living room, you just bowed your head and just say, Lord, well, when's the last time you were there in your prayer life? Or you're just like God. And tears just come down your face. Uh, here, the Apostle Paul is, he's writing to his protege, his son in the faith. He said, I want everybody that whenever they pray, they'll lift up holy hands in submission. Holy hands. Hands that are trying to reach heaven, hands that are trying to touch heaven. Goes on to say, without wrath, because you're angry, and doubting. Which will lead into another point. I want to show you number five fervency of spirit is an element. In James chapter number five, verse 16, James says this. Confess your faults, not your sins. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Why? That ye may be healed. I'm glad that I have a people called University Baptist Church that prays for Josh Waters. And I'm glad we have a people that prays for one another. Because we don't know what one another's going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I pray for you that you may be healed. But then it goes on to say this, and I'm going to break this part down because it's, it's, it's a mouthful. That you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I'm going to read it one more time. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's break those words down for just a moment. Uh, preacher, what does effectual mean? Effectual means having power to produce an effect. Effectual means having power to produce an effect. What does fervent mean? Fervent means having passion and intensity. That's self-explanatory. Availeth means force. If someone's non-compliant in police work, there's options of force. But I'm talking about prayer. This isn't one of those, Lord, if you just, if you'll just comply. Lord, if you just hear my prayer, the effectual, the power the power to produce an effect, the fervent, the passion and intensity behind your prayer availeth much. There's much force behind it. You know what that tells me in just layman's terms and just good old boy English? That a righteous man, one that's already confessed their faults before the Lord, 
that's in, that's in the will of God, when he prays, God changes things. Whenever somebody goes to God and says, God, move. It isn't their prayer that moves God because God decides to move when He wants to move it, how He wants to move it, and so on and so forth. But I just believe that the God of heaven is waiting on that kind of prayer. I believe He's waiting for somebody to really grab a hold of the horns of the altar and ask for some things. You've heard of the term, somebody prayed through. I've seen times in my life, and you may have seen it in yours, where prayers have been answered. Miss Kathy, we've seen prayers answered. Amen. Amen. We, 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 we've seen, we, we're, we're seeing miracles. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. Amen. What we're seeing is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's what we're seeing in action. Don't tell me that prayer is some kind of rite and ritual and ceremony. It is a communication to the God of heaven. And the world knows that we ought to talk to God. But the reason why the world is praying and praying and putting prayers in their songs and they're not seeing anything is because they don't understand the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's the righteous that can move the forces of heaven. Not the world and not the lost. Church, we have a responsibility. I want to show you two more points and we'll go home. Number six. I see regularity in prayer to be an essential element. In Psalm 55, 17, the Bible says evening and morning. And at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. My, my wife has these devotionals by Charles Haddon Spurgeon um, and she's got her little, her little journal Bible and her little journal and, and then she, does, she has her own little prayer life and, uh, and, it's, and, and on that thing says evening and morning. At least I think it's Charles Spurgeon. I, I know he puts one out. Uh, but evening and morning is what it's called and twice a day she'll get it out and she does her devotions. Evening and morning and at noon. That's three times a day. Will I pray... And cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I remember growing up in Sunday school, they taught me as a little boy, man, make sure when you go to bed tonight and you say your night night prayers, make sure you confess your sins. That's good. And then, then when you get up in the morning, thank, thank the Lord for giving you another day. That's good. And we can get into those rituals, but what about in between? For me, in between might be 14 times a day. And they might be longer prayers than others. There should be a regularity. Now when it says pray without ceasing, doesn't mean one continuous prayer that all you do is pray, you don't even have time to take a sip of water. That means to be in constant continuation and reminder of prayer. I want to show you lastly, number seven. This is probably one of the most essential elements. It's faith in God and His promises. We can throw up prayers to heaven all day long, but unless we believe that the God of heaven hears it and moves, what good is it? Matthew chapter number 21, verses 21 and 22 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, 
ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. There's so many hirelings, I won't call them preachers. There's so many hirelings today that will get behind pulpits and say, send me your money over this scripture right here. The essence and the theme of those two verses is not so much the substance of what God's going to do. It's the fact that God can do it. He's, he's, he's using an illustration of a fig tree. And I think that's where it starts with many of us. Well, we pray and we get that low-hanging fruit. God, let me pass my test today. God, let today be a good day. That's low-hanging fruit. It started with the fig tree. But eventually, you'll see God start to answer those fig tree prayers. And then they start getting bigger. And start getting bigger. And start getting bigger. They say, you know, you have boldness to pray. God, move that mountain. That thing that's been fixated all these years. You see what I'm saying? Your faith will increase with prayer. One of the reasons why America has a faith that's on pilot-like mode is because they're not even trying after the fig tree prayers. They're not even trying after the low-hanging fruit. So, of course, they'll have a shot in the dark and they'll pray for the mountain to be moved, but they never had those other elements. Your faith will increase and you'll know that God can the more you pray, the more you see Him do. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You've lived God answering your prayers. These are seven elements that I want to show you. These essential elements in having an effective prayer life. Whenever I was 